In this installment of the Lowdown Sports Show, Coach Tripp stops by. We're going to be talking some college hoops. We've got a lot to go over. We're going to start with a temporary restraining order that should prove to take away maybe some power from the NCAA. Huh, surprise, surprise. Also, the long-awaited debut after a scary situation affecting a young man who makes his collegiate debut. We've got that and a whole lot more in this installment of the Lowdown Sports Show, and it starts right now. Okay, now let's take it from the top. This is the Lowdown Sports Show. Give me the lowdown. With Drew. I just heard your dad might already hate you, and I was like, yeah. what, brother? Oh, man. And BJ. Yeah, he could be a part of the mascot's entourage and, and be throwing t-shirts into the crowd. <laughs> and it all starts right now. And welcome in to the Lowdown Sports Show. Normally, it's my turn to go second, but Drew is away on Hoops Obligations himself. So I am your host, BJ. This is probably the one of the few times that you'll hear that, but I am very happy to be joined tonight by Coach Tripp. Welcome back to the show, Coach. How are you, my friend? Hey, glad, glad, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk a little uh, college basketball with you, and certainly we'll miss Drew, but got a lot to talk about. Let's kick this thing off. Absolutely, and we'll do that here in just a second. But before you, before we get all into the college side of things, we want to make sure we remind you, give us a follow on the social medias listed right Uh-oh. above us here on the screen. You can follow us on threads, YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, X, Facebook, all at the underscore lowdown, except for Twitch. That would be the lowdown, no underscore, on all of those social media platforms. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that this show we want to thank our sponsors of the program. That would be T Public, Fanatics, and SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket buying app that you can use to find your, you know, next ticket that you want to go to, whether it be a sports show, a concert, ticket. It makes the ticket buying experience so much easier. You can go in the description, find a link in our description to go over to SeatGeek. You get 20 bucks off your first order by using the promo code the lowdown. And we also want to thank our sponsor, Stathead, who is going to bring you tonight's stat of the episode. So I'm always the one that has this. And thanks to our friends over at Stathead. And we're not talking NBA, but I thought that this was pretty crazy. Jaron Jackson, his last couple games for the Memphis Grizzlies, he's put up 85 points, which is third most by any Grizzly in a two-game span. He's the only, he's the second player, I should say, in Memphis Grizzly history to score 40-plus points in back-to-back games. The only other person that's done it, and he's done it both times, was John ja Morant, who did 98 in back-to-back games back on February the 26th and the 28th of 2022. And then, for good measure, his next time after that, on March the 3rd, he ended up with the combined total of 90 between the games on the 28th and March the 3rd back in 2022. So third most points in a two-game span in Memphis Grizzlies history. You could also say, well, Caitlin Clark 
if you're looking at maybe a college stat here, Caitlin Clark slowly moving her way up the chart. She's now seventh all time going back to 2001 and 2002 season in terms of career points scored by any collegiate player. Uh, Ashley Jones is right there in her sights. She's about 20 points shy of becoming sixth all time. And if she tallies up another hundred points or score another hundred points or so, she will move all the way up into fourth place. She's got a long way to go in order to try to catch up to either Kelsey Mitchell or Kelsey Plum for one of those top two spots, but certainly is possible. So Stathead will provide you with all kinds of stats such as those and, and a whole lot more that you can find to your heart's content. Thank you, Stathead, for being a sponsor of the Lowdown. All right, Coach, let's dive on in and talk some college hoops. We're going to start a little bit different here with uh, where we're going to go. I, I mean, I'd be remiss. We, we don't have Drew tonight, but he specifically, he specifically, I have the textual evidence to prove that he specifically wanted to know just what is wrong with the Duke Blue Devils. They have really, after that loss at home to Arizona, who's a really good team, I don't know what that what they, you know, they haven't figured things out. They start a conference playoff with just kind of a head-scratching loss to Georgia Tech. And, you know, the, the question is now they were preseason number two. They've fallen all the way down to 22. Is this a little, hey, let's pump the brakes. There's nothing to worry about. This is just them finding themselves. They'll be just fine come March. Or is this something that we really need to be asking, you know, what what's going on? You know, for, for any other team, I would probably say we need to be concerned. And listen, as a diehard uh, North Carolina fan, nothing no, nothing makes me happier than have this discussion, and I wish I could have it with Drew. But <laughs> listen, Duke is going to be fine. They're going to figure this out. They always do. Uh, part of their problem, you know, in their losses, obviously, at Georgia Tech, as you said, a head-scratcher. And, and the Arkansas one, that's a tough place to play, obviously. Mm-hmm. But really, when you look at – um, kind of some of the statistics uh, that they have in their three losses, they shot from the three point uh, arc behind three point arc, just 26.3%. So it's tough uh, when you're doing that, but that's yeah. not the only problem that they've had. Um, when uh, they're really struggling, um, they were combined 28 of 58, so 48.3% on layups. Okay. That's so, um, it, really an anomaly. They're not going to continue down that path uh, at all. They're, they're going to get it um, uh, figured out. But th- there is some things because that's two things right there. And we've got another thing here in their last three games. Um, they've really struggled to share the ball. You know, when they went on that five in the first five games of the season, they assisted on 60, almost 61 percent uh, of their shots and included a, a season best 77 percent uh, against Michigan State, who Obviously, Michigan State is not maybe what we thought they were. Um, but in their last three games, uh, they dipped down to 43% uh, assisting on their shots. So um, they've got some things to fix. You know, their three-point shooting is lacking. Um, their, their assists uh, is lacking. They're, they're struggling to, to finish at the rim with these layups. So um, these are things, though, that you would expect a team as, as uh, deep and as talented as Duke to fix. And obviously, uh, their coach Shires is is aware of this. He's going to get this fixed. So, while I would say certainly it's it's okay to be concerned to see uh, Duke with with three losses before Christmas uh, is a rarity. 
I don't have time to panic. I wish it were as a Carolina fan, <laughs> but it's not. They're going to be fine. Uh, probably the number two ranking at the beginning of the season was was probably a little too high. They probably weren't quite that good. Um, now they're sitting in, in the uh, low 20s, 21, 20, mm-hmm. I think, but yes. they're going to be fine. They'll, they'll get it right. They'll get the ship righted, and they're going to be – uh, they'll be there in March, uh, being a thorn in my side, I'm sure. But uh, those are those are uh, to to that question. What's wrong with Duke? That's it right there in a nutshell. Their three point shooting is down. They they've slumped a little bit with their uh, assists uh, on on made shots and and really struggling to finish at the rim. Um, certainly, they're having to adjust with um, y- you know um, uh, what's his name escapes me. Going to the NBA, their their rim protector. From last year but they're going to get it figured out they're too good a team they're too talented so um, they're going to be fine yeah and you look at their next opportunity that they've got coming up it's next wednesday they're beginning to be hosting the undefeated baylor bears who come in as a top 10 team and and uh nine and zero to their credit at this point but even in their wins you look at just kind of the season overall and it, it it's one of those things that you know it's not bad per se from downtown because they're a 37% shooting team from behind the three-point line just overall in the season. But when they don't fall, that's when, like you said, you were just about to, uh, you know, go ahead and, and say that they are going to struggle if, if they are so reliant on it from downtown. You've seen this with the, the other teams like Alabama and Nate Oates, where if you live and die from beyond the three-point line, I mean, there, there are times where it, it can be, very beneficial, and there are times where it's just ice cold and there's no real in-between. But this is not a Duke team, I feel like, that is reliant upon the deep ball shot. No, they're not. And I think what, what's maybe happened in those those games where they've struggled is, uh, and I think it's a combination of things, so when, when they're not hitting, teams don't have to defend them so far out. So then they can kind of take away uh, the paint so it makes it harder to, to finish at the rim, maybe some of those mm-hmm. layups. So uh, obviously – just like any team, you, you want to be able to hit from the outside to keep those defenses honest. And and, and the games when they haven't done it, it it's hurt them. But um, as you said, overall they're they're a, a good three three point shooting team, and they're going to be fine. Yeah. And speaking of good teams, I mean, let's just uh, for a minute. I'm going to sidetrack us just a bit because I want to talk about how good you saw firsthand with that North Carolina and UConn game. Just a, a couple, I guess, what a couple of days ago, maybe a week or so, uh, how, how good UConn is. But that's not even to say anything about Marquette. I, I think we asked this question before the season about, you know, which conference is going to be the toughest from top to bottom. Is it still the Big East? I mean, you've definitely got the top-heavy teams that are, are going to be threats, and, and in March especially. But is it is it the Big East, or is it, uh, you know, is that just those two teams and then there's, a significant drop when you look at the, you know, the Villanova's, the Creighton's and so many right. more that may not be up there as well. Yeah. You know, and, and early in the week, you know, mentioned Creighton uh, when the rankings came out, they were still in the top 10. Uh, they, they've lost since then. And, and so certainly I don't have them there anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, if anything uh, that this season has taught us is that um, you have to have a wait and see approach, you know, all these mm-hmm. teams, uh, you know, Duke at number two and, and, Kansas, I mean, they've only had the one loss at number one, but we saw all those these upsets. So I think it's it's really a little bit early to 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 tell who you know who by team, but certainly by conference, which which of the conferences are going to be at the top, which are not. 
you know, as you said, some of these are, are very uh, top heavy, you know, um, Arizona, Kansas, you know, obviously a uh, big 10, you know, Purdue. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, everything I've thought about this season is, has, has really not, not come to fruition, not been right. And I love that about college basketball because it's so unpredictable. Anything can happen. And with the, obviously the field of, of 68, once you get into March and, and we saw all the, the, um, upsets last year, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't really have an answer for you about, um, <laughs> conference. Um, I, I did two weeks ago and, and I did a month ago and now, uh, I don't because, uh, this just, it's just been kind of crazy. Well, a couple of matchups that you want to keep your eye on, not just as a, for the big East, but just in general this weekend, there's some huge matchups. You've got the top 10 showdown in Seattle with UConn and Gonzaga. That's tomorrow, Friday night, but then over the weekend, not just in the Big East, but you've got the CBS Sports Classic that has your Tar Heels and the Kentucky Wildcats. You've got LSU and Texas that are squaring off, which is going to be an interesting showdown out there. Um, you've got a Michigan State team that's talented, but are they talented enough to give Baylor their first loss? They've, they've come in four and five, really trying to figure out their identity. Uh, and then, I mean, give credit where credit's due. Texas A&M, they're seven and three, but they've got some pieces and they can – Absolutely, I think, hang with Houston, not even to mention the top three showdown that we're going to get in Indianapolis with Arizona and Purdue on Saturday. I mean, this is a, a loaded slate of games this weekend. It's it's going to be a great day for, for Hoops Fanatics to, to get their, their fill-in for the first time really since that Thanksgiving week where we had nothing but great matchups all around. We have Coach Still. Are you there? Absolutely. And that's one of the things, again, that, you know, you know me, I'm also a college football guy, but, you know, college football, sometimes that opening week, you, you have some good games, but then a lot of times you, you don't have much until conference play starts. And, and what we're seeing, as you said, that Thanksgiving weekend and then this. Try to see if we can get coach back here and maybe in a, just a second. Um, one other thing that want to mention if while we wait on uh, Saturday, we've got Alabama Creighton at that is one of the, the primetime hoops games over the weekend. Uh, that's a Fox game as well as NC state at Tennessee. Uh, those are some games coming up on Saturday as we are dealing with some technical difficulties for coach trip uh, Marquette and Providence. They start up with some conference play, some big East play on Saturday or on Tuesday, rather I should say with uh, December the 19th is when they will be squaring off both those teams, uh, Marquette in the top 10 and Providence, not ranked, but certainly capable of, of pulling off a home upset. Uh, they're coming in with a record of eight and two as well. And as mentioned, North Carolina and Oklahoma, that's going to be another great game. Uh, that's Wednesday night, Baylor Duke. So those are back-to-back games, uh, big 12 versus ACC showdowns, UConn's at Seton Hall. Uh, you've got Northwestern to play in DePaul, speaking of the Big East. If uh, DePaul is, is a team that can uh, you know, upset a, a Northwestern team that's kind of just reeling after what happened against Chicago State of all teams here in, in the past couple of days, then it really does remain to be seen what to expect. Uh, Villanova is at Creighton on Wednesday, and then a huge matchup between Arizona and Alabama. Uh, that's Wednesday the 20th. Those Three games with Baylor, Duke, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Alabama, Arizona. Bam, bam, bam. 
back to back to back on the uh, ESPN family of networks and uh, just trying to see if we can get Coach Tripp back in here real quick as we are dealing with some technical difficulties. I am just about to have to resend him uh, the link and see if we can have him hop on board. but in the meantime, want to talk a little bit about Bronny James as he made his return to the basketball court and his debut with the USC Trojans. And we'll get Coach Tripp's thoughts on this as well. But uh, it was just about a four or so months ago, it was back in the summertime, uh, that Bronny had the uh, cardiac arrest while he was working out. It was in July, on uh, on July 24th. And... Uh, He's been recovering ever since he was on a minutes restriction and uh, only 140 days or so after he was rushed to the hospital and admitted to the ICU, was he able to make his return uh, to the basketball court. So it's, it's one of those things that you absolutely, uh, you absolutely love to see. And, and, and you're grateful that he was able to, um, you're, he's, you're grateful that he was able to to get back out on the court and and really, you know, he didn't get to make much of an impact, unfortunately. But just the fact that he was out there is enough of a story in of itself. He put up uh, four points and had three rebounds. He was limited to 17 minutes, and the Trojans fell uh, to Long Beach State. 84-79 was the score in that game. Uh, he said, he quote, he was thankful for everything. I think the most important thing, who cares about the win or the loss? The kid was standing tall and standing strong at the end of the game, according to what LeBron said via the Associated Press. That is a blessing in of its own right, and that is a win. He's won at life, and everything else at this point is extra credit. So uh, you got to really tip your cap to Mr. Bronny James for being able to get back. And, I mean, you, it's a scary situation when you go into a, a cardiac event like that, we saw, you know, it, it took DeMar Hamlin of, of the NFL. How much, how long did it take for him to, to finally make it back out on the field? Obviously a different uh, scenario and in different season length and everything like that, but it still took him longer than just four months to get the, uh, to get back out on to the uh, field as opposed to what we saw with Bronny James. So, uh, USC is back in action over this coming weekend. They'll be playing Auburn. He's still, Bronny will still be on a minutes restriction as he eases back into playing form. Uh, you'd expect that he'll be in the starting lineup eventually, and then he'll just kind of play at that same level that the that USC was expecting and when they were you know, first wanting to, him to come on board. But everybody... It just has to be happy that he is out on the court and, and playing basketball. USC head coach Andy Enfield said, quote, I think everybody's been through a lot emotionally, Bronny the most. He's handled it very well. And anytime you go through an emotional situation, it is nice to have teammates and a staff that can care. His teammates did a great job with Bronny. He's back now, and we're all excited for him. So one of those things that you definitely want to uh, – you know, tip your cap and, and just grateful for everything that has been, you know, 
coming up blooming for, for Bronny and, and his team. They didn't get the win on the court, but like I said, you know, it's, it's one of those things that they're happy that he was able to be out there and, and even in just a, a little bit of time uh, on, on Sunday. So, and then it's funny because LeBron was actually at uh, courtside. He sat courtside uh, to watch uh, Bronny make his college debut and uh, that was something that really was in doubt when when he had that cardiac event. Uh, but LeBron was fresh off the uh, NBA in-season tournament title the previous night in, in Las Vegas and, and flew back home or flew back to L.A. on Sunday and, and was able to make it to the uh, to the arena in time to watch the Trojans and, and the Long Beach battle it out in the Galen Center. So. Uh, LeBron said it was just an emotional draining day from the time we all woke up to the time the buzzer hit triple zeros to see the first person out of our family, out of the James gang to grace a college campus and a college floor. That was pretty cool. It was everything for my family. So, you know, obviously this is, this is huge for the James family and, and huge for what, uh, what Bronny was hoping to accomplish in his career just the fact that after such what could have been a devastating setback, there was talks about people saying that he, maybe he shouldn't play at all, or, or maybe he shouldn't be, you know, getting back to, to hooping um, and, and be a, uh, you know, be able to uh, continue his basketball career. That, that was something that I don't think was ever truly in question that once he was healthy enough and, and the doctors had given him the all clear, that um, that he was not going to be able to go out there and 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 go back out on the court. I mean, it's it's in his blood, it's in his DNA, it's in his nature, and you just have to had to have expected that. Now, obviously, with on the other side of things, you're looking at wanting to make sure that you're not if you're you know somebody that's trying to take care of him and and handle that situation best for on the Trojan side of things. Coach Enfield has, has mentioned. Uh, just a second ago, you absolutely are going to put him on a minutes restriction. You're going to keep him, you know, very much in check until you get him ramped back up. You you don't want to have him be playing 40 minutes against Long Beach State, and you especially not coming out of his first, you know, non scrimmages and and practice type setting to be, you know, in not a meaningless game, but in the grand scheme of things, you'd like him to work his way back up and, and ramp back up to uh, where he'd want to be by the time that you get into conference play. I mean, it's, it's the last year of the, the Pac-12, but it's still going to be a, a tough conference, a, a very tough top to bottom. And um, it's it's really interesting to, to really think about the possibilities for this USC team as they, you know, they're still trying to figure some things out, coach, this USC squad, but getting Bronny back, even for, you know, just on slight minutes restriction and kind of ramping him back up into that playing form by the time that we'd get to conference play. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really amazing that the medical advancements that he's able to come back, first of all, very fortunate, you know, you suffer cardiac arrest that, that he, that he's, uh, okay, first of all, obviously, and then he was able to come back. Really, this this happened in um, in July, over, I think, over the summer. Yeah, mm -hmm. a very short time ago, and now he's back, uh, clean bill of health. So so great for Bronny. 
his debut, you know, four points, three assists, two rebounds in 16 minutes in, a, in an overtime loss. But um, obviously, um, USC and, and, and the James family and, and everybody's really excited um, that that he's healthy, he's back, and he can go pursue his passion, do what he loves, and and uh, certainly excited to see. Uh, you know what he will be able to do as you said certainly they'll be cautious with him medically to make sure that that it's safe that he's safe and and uh, taken care of but really excited for him to to be able to uh chase his dreams and, and pursue his passion and obviously his his father you know lebron came and and, and watched that and, and had to be a great moment uh, for him uh, and a heartfelt moment for both of them um to be there and, and to know that what could have been a, a an awful tragedy had been averted, and and now they are um, moving along. So, uh, really excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you think that it, that's it, what he is capable of, you will fully expect to see that as he gets more and more comfortable, and and there's not as much fear based on you know how far we get removed from from that event, and and the healthier and and stronger he becomes, we hope. Absolutely. You know, and, and now at least uh, they're aware of, of this. So they'll be able to monitor, take, take precautions, make sure that they are, um, you know, putting him in the best position and, and monitoring and, and making sure that he's okay. So um, really it may have been, you know, depending on, on what caused this cardiac arrest, it may have been a blessing, not that it happened, but they identified it so that they can make sure that hopefully nothing like this ever happens again. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's one of those things that's so scary for, for anybody at any age is that, uh, you know, an event like that is, is something that you just don't expect because how could you? And for it to happen to, to such a young player at, at such a young age and, and seemingly in, in the, the prime of life and in great physical health, that's something that you definitely want to, you know, make sure if something like that were to happen that you you want to figure out what that causes. And, and, and what I understand is that there was, a, you know, a condition that he was, you know, he had, he's had since birth, but it had not, uh, you know, come out of the woodwork and, and reared its ugly head until earlier this year. But thankfully they were able to, uh, you know, to sort it out and, and that it doesn't seem like it's going to be an issue moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, one last thing that we were planning to, to hit here in our, uh, NCAA review of, of the first couple of months of the season, give or take. Uh, just a couple days ago, in fact, uh, just yesterday, the uh, NCAA found itself in court and found itself on the losing end of a federal ruling regarding its transfer rules. The NCAA lost a decision Wednesday. Uh, they put a temporary restraining order, a federal court did, for 14 days that would allow student athletes that were previously denied eligibility for their second transfer, the, the transfer rule being that if you have transferred once before, the second time you have to sit out a year. So the, the ruling went against that and will allow some of these athletes, or well, most of these athletes, if not all at this point, to uh, go ahead with their second transfer. And that's that's huge for some teams that were missing some of their their key guys that they had brought in uh, before the season. But because it was their second transfer, they were denied eligibility, uh, a waiver from the NCAA. Now that is no longer the case. And the NCAA has gone ahead and said that they are not going to enforce that at all uh, come uh, for the this season. And so the association 
uh, will not enforce the year in residency requirement for multi-time transfers and will begin notifying member schools. That was what uh, came out earlier today from the NCAA in a statement. But just going back to Wednesday, U.S. District Judge Preston Bailey in West Virginia, West Virginia, the one that brought all this into motion and set it up as they were trying to get eligibility for Raekwon Battle, uh, Preston Bailey in West Virginia, U.S. District Judge, issued a temporary restraining order allowing two-time transfers to play immediately. The NCAA, double, NCAA allows underclassmen to transfer once without sitting a year, but as a second transfer as an underclassman would require a waiver to play immediately, and the NCAA, NCAA has granted waivers to certain student-athletes on a case-by-case -case basis. And that right there, I think, is the biggest thing because there's no consistency, Coach. They right. are picking and choosing on a case-by-case -case basis, and some of the ones that they've denied made little sense compared to some of the ones they accepted, and thus the, the NCAA was taken to court for, uh, you know, I'm going to say the Raekwon battle decision, but it's not just him. It was, you know, West Virginia was the one that spearheaded it, but six other states joined the lawsuit because they alleged that the NCAA's waiver process violated federal antitrust law, and they, it was found to be in their favor. So not just for, for Raekwon battle, but this is a huge decision that will affect multiple teams and their ability to compete at the level that you kind of wish they had gone ahead and just given the, the waiver in the first place instead of dragging their feet and preventing some of these student athletes for playing over a month into the season. Right. And a couple of things here, you know, first of all, we know that the NCAA is, is, is a broken and flawed system, right? They, they, yeah. they have issues all around with how they deal with, with student athletes and, and, you know, they always claim they're, they're trying to keep the integrity of amateur, but, but that doesn't appear to be what it is. Now I will say um, there in this article I read, it says uh, a majority of programs though, have kept their newly eligible players on the bench out of precaution, such as uh, Jalen cook from LSU who transferred from, from Tulane. Um, uh, and then um, the, the kid from uh, uh, UTSA and McNeese state, because there is some fear that, cause this is a 14 day restraining order that if, if this gets reversed, they don't want those players to then all of a sudden, you know, have lost that eligibility um, and then are, are out. So uh, hopefully um, cooler heads will prevail and they'll let these players play. Um, you know, we obviously, the bigger picture with transfer portal, like in football needs to be addressed. But right now, as you said, that there's not, a, there's no consistency. It's not fair to these student athletes that are, that are trying to put themselves in, in the best position they can for, for the, their futures. And, um, you know, obviously we've had this argument for years about, you know, coaches could, could come and go with no penalty at all. Um, even if there was a buyout, you know, yeah. boosters or alums would pay that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, why is it fair that they can do that and, and not these uh, student athletes? So uh, I applaud the uh, restraining order. I just hope that uh, it, it, it sticks. I hope that it is not reversed or overturned. Yeah. And then that's what you were getting to with the NCA adding yet another level to this and, and some more chaos. Potentially, they said earlier today that student athletes who participate in games during the 14 day TRO temporary restraining order will lose a season of eligibility if the ruling is reversed. So you know, you're, you're kind of at this point, you're, you're taking it into your own hands. You think it would help and it would, because it's one of those things that you think based on what they had said yesterday, that they 
were okay to, to go ahead and, and play. But now we've got to wait for December the 27th, which two weeks from yesterday when the decision came down, the two-week restraining order or 14-day TRO. Uh, it says that the NCAA's document says whether the season of, comp- of competition legislation applies to a student-athlete competing during the 14-day TRO. Yes, the 14-day TRO only enjoined by law 14551 and does not change the season of competition legislation. Basically, a whole lot of jar- jargon and legalese that we you know, are not privy to, to understanding. But it does really beg the question, okay, you said on Wednesday that it was perfectly fine. They were not going to face any penalty for playing during this TRO. And then that immediately gets brought back and, and you're, you're just thinking, well, what the heck are you doing over there? Uh, Just in fact, just last night, you see Keelan Boone of UNLV. uh, He he might be in a little bit of danger if, if this gets reversed because uh, he, he transferred to Pacific after being uh, at Oklahoma state to start his career. And then uh, now he's at UNLV, made an immediate impact, came off the bench and scored 10 points and, and grabbed six boards. You're talking about Creighton just falling the other night, and that was a large reason because of Keelan Boone and his impact. They ended up winning 79-64. So, again, that my biggest thing, and, and um, well, we can talk till we're blue in the face, Coach, but it's not going to do a darn thing to, to really change how it is until we get something in place or just some consistency from the NCAA it's it's just going to continue to boggle our minds and, and really drive some some people crazy. Absolutely, and and there's no making sense or, or trying to rationalize what decisions that the NCAA may uh, may or may not make. Unfortunately, so uh, but let's let's be optimistic and, and hope that things you know go the right way. You're absolutely right about that, Coach. And while let's go ahead and shift gears, we'll hop on over into. Coach's Corner now, and we'll talk with Coach Tripp and see what he's got in store for us here in this edition. All right, so this is something interesting I found as I was preparing for the show, and so uh, obviously if, if you're a, an NFL fan, you, you've heard the term Black Monday, which is kind of the Monday maybe after the regular season ends where mm-hmm. a lot of head coaches get let go, get fired, uh, and so it's it's a tense time if, if the team did not have a very good year. Um, but as I was doing some research, I found out that there has been a trend uh, in, in the 2000s of something called a December surprise. And you may or may not have heard of it. Um, but what the December surprise has been is just basically um, some of these power conferences have had um, the surprise of uh, a, a coach either leaving on their own or being fired in December, which is obviously very early in the season. Uh, and so I've got some. Um, I've got some examples of that. And then the reason I'm bringing this up, I'll, I'll get to at the end of a, a potential mother uh, po- uh, December surprise. So, okay. um, so here we go. This December surprise, uh, here are four examples since just since 2015. All right. And then this doesn't include some of these other um, things that happened um, early in the season in October, uh, things like that. This mm-hmm. is just December surprises. The first one, December 15th in 2015, um, Less than eight months from uh, coaching in a national title game, Bo Ryan announces his immediate retirement after a win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Wow. Um, 
So it was uh, Wisconsin was seven and five at that point. Uh, ended up on 22 and 13. That was kind of a stunning move. It, he was not fired. He, he resigned. Um, a couple of years later, December 13th, I'm oh, sorry, December 31st in 2018, uh, Steve Alford is fired as coach of UCLA uh, after a 15 home point loss to Liberty. Uh, the Bruins ended up going 10 and 10 after that, um, finished 17 and 16. Um, so that now we've got one that was fired, one that resigned. Another one in 2021, more recently, uh, Mark Turgeon. You may remember him from, he was at Texas A&M, but he was at Maryland. And he, uh, the morning after a loss uh, to Virginia Tech by four, he walks into his uh, AD's office and resigns, uh, tired of the, um, he said, the, the, the fans, the negativity, some of that stuff. Um, and that was his 11th season there. I mean, this is a, a very tenured coach. And then most recently, and, and this ended up extending into January, but it, the event occurred in December. And this was, uh, you'll remember this, December 12th, uh, a year ago, 2022, um, Chris Beard um, had his incident and yeah. was uh, suspended. Uh, that's and then, that's and what I was just about to ask, whether that would count or if that was a January surprise. I couldn't yeah, remember. So you could go either way. The events occurred in December, the, 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 uh, Firing took place in um, January, so um, you could that could go either way. But really, you know, uh, I don't know if you had heard of the December surprise. I had really not heard of that term. Uh, I tried to research it more, it, uh, so I don't know if this is a newly coined term. But the trend was very interesting. That, that pretty early in the season, you know, these coaches are either deciding on their own or are often being let go by uh, their athletic directors. Um, you know. One team was seven and five, you know, 12 games into a season where you're you're probably going to have, you know, close to 30 games total. Um, so the reason I bring that up is oftentimes, particularly when the coach is fired, it is due to performance issues. It is due to uh, wins and losses. Obviously, uh, it can also be due to um, off-court instance, instances, as we yeah. saw with the beard thing. So um, there is a... Uh, a coach, and I'm going to see if uh, I'm going to see if you can, uh, as I describe some stuff, see if you can say who it is. Who's had a pretty good wins and loss record, uh, done a good job, but has had some uh, altercations with other coaches, other players, um, who may be a little bit on the hot seat. Uh, do you know which coach I'm talking about? You'll know as well, soon as I say it. Well, the first guess that if I had to make one guess, and I only get one guess. The first name that I thought of is Jawan Howard. Is that correct? You are exactly correct. Good job. All, All right. right. So, here, so here's the deal. Here's uh, what happened. So fairly recently, um, this past week, there was a an altercation, a non-physical altercation between Jawan Howard and the team's um, strength and conditioning coach. Okay. And as a result, um, you know, Jawan Howard is is – he traveled with the team after this incident. He still isn't back to coaching yet because he had uh, some heart surgery back in September. Okay. The uh, conditioning coach uh, did not travel with the team. They are both still employed. It was specified that it was a non um, a, a non physical uh, interaction. Okay, so okay. Uh, that begs the question: Well, then, then what's the big deal? Well, because of these instances he's had in the past, one with Mark Turgeon, um, and then one. Um, after I think a Michigan State 
uh, loss. He's uh, Jawan Howard has been put on him for the last year and a half under a zero tolerance yeah. um, contract. So the thought here is, is uh, could we be having a December surprise with a power five coach uh, right now, this December based on um, this instant incident with, uh, a member of his own staff, or at least Michigan's own staff, uh, based on he's had these other uh, instances in the past and been put on this zero tolerance thing. I don't think anybody questions his his X's and O's coaching ability, um, but he certainly has a reputation as as maybe maybe a hothead. And if you're on that yeah. zero tolerance, you know we we talked uh, my last time on with with the Bobby Knight instance. Mm -hmm. that, you know if you don't address it you know, you are, you are, um, accepting it. You're, you're, you're approving it, even if it's a silent approval. So, uh, if you put somebody on the zero tolerance, if, if this if issue is significant enough, you have to take action or you're sending a message that it's not really zero tolerance and, and yeah. you can get away with it because now if something else comes up, you don't have a leg to stand on because wait a minute, there's no consistency. You allowed this last one to happen. Why not this one? Well, so, and zero consistency, it just sounds like the NCAA all over. It again. does sound like the NCAA. It absolutely does. So I want to tie all this into, so this is called the December surprise. I don't really have an idea. I don't know enough about it, whether or not Juwan Howard will be let go. I would suspect not because it doesn't sound like um, it was maybe as big a deal as, as some of those others. But this leads me into um, surprises, surprise teams uh early in the season early in the season so we went from december surprise to uh best and worst surprising teams uh okay. so far awesome. so we've talked about a couple of them uh and so we'll talk about um maybe the ones that are biggest disappointment surprising by um, not living up to expectations and then i'll we'll talk about some that have lived up so i gotta go uh, sorry drew uh i'm gonna say duke is is kind of um the biggest uh disappointment not living up to it we talked about some of the reasons why they're three-point shooting not finishing at the rim um you know the the assists in their losses they began the season ranked at number two uh they were seven and three uh and their losses um obviously they have a loss to arkansas obviously arizona but that georgia tech loss is is uh really baffling the first time they've had three losses before christmas in in several years i think it's or i think it's back to back years maybe um but but this is really a head scratcher just because of um the talent that they have um my second biggest surprise on the disappointment size uh side is michigan state sitting at four and five zero wins over teams in in uh, like the top 60 power ranking wow. so they they're just um you know with a, a coach of that caliber with the recruits that they can get in for them to be sitting at four and five you know we thought that opening uh, night loss was just an anomaly. Uh, you know, things happen, emotion, that kind of thing, but they have not righted the ship. They, they are not looking very good. Mm -hmm. And this thing could spiral out of control very quickly if they don't get that, that um, fix. And, and I don't know that they can, um, you know, I think that uh, something like this, when you've got the talent, you've got the coaching, this seems like maybe a, a belief, desire, culture issue where, not to say that they've quit on the coach or maybe they've quit on each other or they don't have a belief, but they're certainly uh, more talented than this four and five record. Absolutely. And and one thing that I was going to bring up, I don't mean to get, you know, go backtrack or anything like that, but we, we were talking about Juwan Howard. And the thing to me that I was thinking is that, you know, it's maybe not a zero tolerance in terms of 
if, like you were saying, if, if it's, you know, the non-physical incident was maybe just like the, they had a, a verbal shouting match or something like that, that may not be necessarily enough, but his win-loss record, and he, he has the, you know, he's got the, the good intangibles as a coach, but his record would, would almost indicate otherwise. And you felt like he was more on the hot seat for performance as opposed to just solely because of disciplinary, in my opinion, at least. Okay. So that's a good point. Cause there, that makes it easier too, when you want to tie in, if, if you do want to, to let a coach go, look, you, yeah. you, you're not, you're not winning. You're not winning. And we've got these other issues that, that, you yeah. know, you're supposed to be setting uh, an example, modeling the behavior you want from these young men. And you've consistently uh, demonstrated that you can't handle that. So now that's an excellent point. Uh, all right. So I've got some teams now on the more positive side yeah. that I think um, are, are surprises in, in a good way that, that maybe have, have overperformed what maybe we thought. Um, one I have, and, and I'll talk about them a little bit later too, is Clemson sitting uh, 10 and 0. Um, yep. And two teams that, that they beat were undefeated at the time, South Carolina and TCU. Yeah. I was um, just about to say, I saw, saw that and, and TCU's not no, no slouch this year. I, I they're, Clemson is just legitimately that good. The the games that I've gotten to see from them, I think that they're a true contender up there at the top of the ACC this year. I do too. Uh, my next one, record wise, uh, they're seven and three, and so you would say, well, that's that's probably not all that good. It's Tennessee, but their losses are to number two Purdue at the who was Purdue uh, two at the time, number one at the time Kansas, and um, seventeen uh, North Carolina. Um, so they. Um, Tennessee, I think, uh, are maybe outperforming where I expected them to be. Certainly, those losses, but those are, if, if there's such thing as a good loss, yeah. those are good losses. The toughest um, strength of schedule, or one of the toughest strength of schedule. Didn't they? Did they play Marquette? Did they win that game? Is that Marquette's only loss so far, or um, one of their two? Because I, I was gonna say, I swear, I remember maybe when they were over in in Maui. No, I think Marquette lost to Purdue, maybe Purdue and Wisconsin. I think is what I have. Maybe I can double check see here. Thought you might know for sure. It's no worry. Okay. But yeah, right. this, the Tennessee team is, is for sure. I, I think that they're up there as, as one of the teams to, to definitely keep an eye on. And then I've got two from uh, smaller conferences. One, you know, we talked about them in football. I got to talk about them here. They're, they're nine and zero, and that's James Madison out of the Sunbelt conference. You know, great story that, that that school is having, you know, success in football, success in basketball. And then Drake, nine and one in the MVC, um, the uh, Missouri Valley Conference. Um, so, you know, Drake is, is typically there, but uh, another great start for them. And so I really wanted to have um, more, more positive surprises than, than, than negative. And so I think those teams, Clemson, Tennessee, James Madison and Drake have, have really started strong. You know, Tennessee is a little bit of an anomaly, but I, I gave them a nod because of their losses were to um, some really tough teams. And so, um, you know, again, this some of this stuff will factor into uh, my top 10 list when we get to that. But I really wanted to, um, you know, point, tie this back into the coach's corner, the December surprise. And then uh, that's with coaching. And then we've got the early season uh, surprises, disappointment surprises, and maybe exceeding expectation surprises on the positive side. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. I didn't know that there was such a thing as a December surprise. Now I'm, I'm really going to be keeping my eye out, especially if I'm looking at you, Mr. Juwan Howard, maybe would you, would you think that 
a, a pedigree coach like Tom Izzo with a struggle that they've had so far this year? Would, would he be somebody that you might keep you know, an eye on? Maybe not, maybe not firing, but yeah. I would say more like the, the route Bo Ryan took potentially. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I read something that he has made, I don't know, 20 something straight uh, uh, March Madness appearances or something like that. Something crazy. I would think that, um, you know, if, if it was going to go that way, I think that it, it wouldn't be now. I think both sides would allow it to play out to the end of the year, just based on what he's done. Uh, but I get the impression from what I know about him, which is nothing, but just my perception of him is that, that he would not want to, to leave on a down year like that on his own. So I would expect him to, um, you know, certainly be back. Absolutely. That's that just kind of, I mean, you talk about what would be a real big surprise. Yes. That would be, maybe even more of a surprise than uh, Jimmy Bayheim. You know, I mean, the timing was, was there, but you really didn't feel like it was his decision uh, yes. to, at, at Syracuse, but uh, all right. Well, good stuff, coach uh, teams that are having, a hot start to their year is definitely something that we are surprised by a couple of those teams. But what you shouldn't be surprised by is some of the deals that you can get right now. You go over to our friends at T Public. You can get yourself some Christmas shopping done. You've got to hurry. we got a ticking clock. We're about oh, 10 days or so away from the holidays. And before too long, you're not going to be able to get that merch to you in time or to your, uh, to whoever is receiving that present in time. Uh, it, it, you know, so time is of the essence. You can also right now take up to 35% off site wide. But again, we talk about a ticking clock promotion. This deal is only going to be good through Friday. So if you're listening live, you got to hop on this opportunity. Now be on the lookout. Uh, I think it ends at midnight Pacific time uh, Friday. So about, 3 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Central equivalent, your uh, time. But basically, it, it accounts to, if you're not listening live, you probably missed it. You can get $16 shirts right now. You can go get yourself a lowdown shirt. Go get yourself a lowdown mug. That's one of those benefits of, of going over to Public. is it's not just a shirt. They've got stickers. They've got mugs. They've got anything that your hearts desire within reason that you can Fine. I mean, it's getting cold. I'm going to need that lowdown hoodie uh, or maybe even uh, the crew neck sweatshirt uh, to keep myself warm as we get ready for what could be a very frigid winter. And I know my man Drew is up there rocking that in South Dakota because he knows it's cold up there in uh, the Dakota. So find that over at our shop at T Public in the description. And if you're looking for some other sporting apparel and, you know, maybe some more stocking stuffers or gifts for friends and family, check out Fanatics as well. Right now, they've got another ticking clock promotion. Right now, you can get 25% off, no minimum order purchase necessary. You get 25% off everything. And if you order over $50 worth of merch tonight, it ends at the end of the night, 11.59 Eastern. Uh, you're going to be able to take 35% off or 30% off. I should say, make sure I get that number, right? 30% off orders over $50. You're going to want to use the promo code jolly as in Holly jolly Christmas. You can order it today. It will be to your destination by Christmas. You want to get a, uh, well, you know, there's the winter meetings really 
heated up in Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani is a Dodger. Juan Soto is a Yankee. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for me to keep track of where everybody is. But when I start seeing Dodger Otanis and Soto Yankee jerseys, that's going to help me out. You can get that over Fanatics. You can get yourself some bowl gear. It's time for Texas and Washington to match up in the Sugar Bowl or Michigan and Alabama in the Rose Bowl. There's other uh, championship conference championship merchandise available as well as some other teams that have made their way into the postseason. You can find it all at Fanatics. Plus, if you become a Fanatics MVP, you've got more ways to save with Fan Cash Plus. You can turn your everyday shopping into even more Fan Cash, and you'll get exclusive weekly deals not available to little lowly peasants like myself. But you're going to want to go over to Fanatics.com. Again, 25% off everything right now through the end of the night. 30% off orders over $50 by using the promo code JOLLY. you find that over at Fanatics.com in our description. Fanatics.com officially licensed everything. And now, Coach, we're going to turn it back over to you because it's time to find out the latest installment of Coaches of Trips Top 10. I almost messed that up. Trips Top 10. <laughs> Either way is great. All right. So, again, uh, just a refresher. You know, I'm, I'm trying to look at body of work from, from just this season, notwithstanding necessarily where they were ranked when they started, um, just what they've done, what their body of work is. So some of the, some of the stuff is you'll see is, is pretty consistent, but some of it is a little off. So here we go. Number 10, I've got the Clemson Tigers. Okay. Sitting at 10 and 0. They had the win against Bama. We already talked about the two undefeated, you know, uh, South Carolina TCU. So I have them sitting at number 10 with that 10 and 0 mark. Number nine, I've got the Oklahoma Sooners sitting at nine and zero. Uh, their their best win uh, over uh, then. I know I just said twenty three was Bama, but obviously these these rankings change. You, uh, number twenty three USC team. Um, so that's my number nine. Um, my only uh, number eight. My only um, team with two losses in this uh, top. No, it's not true. I've got two of them. It's Carolina seven and two. Um, Obviously, I'm a, I'm a little bit biased to them, but they've got wins over number 10, Tennessee, number 20, Arkansas, uh, and their, uh, one of their losses was number five, UConn. So yeah. and they're, they're playing pretty well right now. I've got them sitting at number eight. Um, they do have uh, two losses, but one of them's to UConn, and they've got some, some I think, better quality wins maybe than Oklahoma and Clemson. I was just saying that seven. Arkansas win is something that Duke couldn't do. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Uh, and you won't see Duke on this list, I promise you that. Not, not this week. <laughs> um, Baylor, the number seven, sitting at nine and zero. Um, they're, they're looking really good. Um, follow that up with another Texas team. I've got Houston sitting at ten and zero. Uh, hard to deny how well they're doing. Yeah. Um, so so far we've got Clemson, Oklahoma, Carolina, Baylor, and Houston. And number five, you mentioned them just earlier. I've got Marquette sitting at eight and two with quality wins over number 23, the Illini, number one, Kansas, number 12, Texas, and their losses are to Purdue uh, and Wisconsin. So really quality wins. And, and again, if you can have a good loss, Purdue is it. Mm -hmm. um, number four, I've got UConn sitting at nine and one who, man, I, I, I mean, Arizona's there, but UConn, I think when it's all said and done is defi definitely going to be making a case. But right now I got them at number four. They've got uh, wins at uh, number nine, UNC, number 15, Texas, and their loss is to Kansas, who, who we'll see a little bit later. So they're really looking solid. I struggled with where to put UConn and 
and I, I can't believe I did this because I said I wasn't going to fall for it, but I put Purdue <laughs> at three. In hindsight, I should have flipped them, but uh, I'm trying not to, to drink the Kool-Aid with Purdue because they burn me every year, but they're sitting at nine and one. Um, they've got wins against Gonzaga, uh, which number 11, number seven, Tennessee, number four, Maryland. Um, they do have a uh, loss to um, uh, Mark, uh, a win against Marquette, I guess, and a loss to Northwestern. Number two, I've got Kansas at nine and one. Two wins versus top five teams at the time, uh, UConn. Um, and then also Tennessee. And then um, number 17, Kentucky, which uh, Kentucky, I'm not sold on them. That's maybe not as good a win as we thought. Mm -hmm. I think the consensus number one, if it's not a consensus, it should be, is Arizona. Eight and oh, two wins versus top 25, Duke and Michigan State, which we, we talked about is, is – Really, they don't probably even deserve to be there, um, but they're playing really good basketball right now. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, Marquette. Obviously, I'm really high on them, but I really think UConn is going to work their way back up. I think they're so talented. So this was not meant to be a slight on them because I think that they're going to be probably in that top two or three by the end of the season going into the tournament. But just based on I'm trying to do it on the body of work so far, um, and I got to I got to. I got to watch myself with that Purdue pick because they burn me every year, but that is my pick. So I think that the top spots uh, are pretty consistent, but I think, you know, uh, kind of eight, nine and 10, maybe a little different, you know, bringing in Clemson, Oklahoma, uh, maybe higher than some, but I mean, I, I don't think you can argue how well they're playing. Uh, they're undefeated. They, they're beat some ranked teams, beat some undefeated teams. So uh, that is trips top 10 uh, for this week. Well, Coach, I, I'm going to want to ask you about it a little bit. So not not just because of, you know, not wanting to buy into the Purdue hype, but is this Arizona team different than the teams that always seem to do so well in the regular season but then fall apart when they get into the either the second round or the Sweet 16 in the tournament? This, this feels like it, it's a different year for Arizona, but I think we felt this way in the past, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Uh, Arizona is a little bit uh, like that, but – it, it seems like right now that they are they're on cruise control. You know, I guess the only thing to be wary of is, is that old adage. And I don't know if it's legitimate or not, but, you know, are they peaking too early? But they are definitely um, setting themselves apart with their their style of play, how they're winning, um, their, their aggression. Uh, so I, I'm sold on them right now. But if you ask me, would I be surprised if Kansas, UConn, uh, ends up ahead of them, I would say no, but I, I definitely think Arizona is going to be in the mix and, and probably not be a, a one and two and done in the tournament. I, I do think it, it it does feel different, and I think it is different. So you said UConn just a slight little bit below Purdue at, at this point. Uh, how, is it, it, how close are these? Because it feels like you you, you were even kind of kicking yourself uh, about Purdue being, being ahead of UConn is it is it just that thin between two through four yeah five? I think it, yeah I think it is really that thin and I uh and man I, it's almost a coin flip for me between those two but I really think three four and five you know I think you could mix up Purdue UConn and Marquette how they're playing right now kind of in, in any order and I wouldn't argue too much I don't know that I'd put Marquette at three just yet but I could see them at four and I, I could see UConn at at three you know the, the hard thing would be I don't know that I move and Purdue all the way back to five, but I think those three teams are really close. I think Marquette's a little on the outside looking in right now, uh, but they're playing really well. And so I guess really 
Purdue and UConn, to your point, it's it's a razor thin margin. Um, and if if you know they go to go to play, particularly on a neutral side, I definitely it's it's a pick 'em. You know, it's not one where I would say, okay, well, you know, Purdue's got this or UConn's got that. I, I think they're um, both so talented and and um, so, so fun to watch. Um, I probably would go just, and this is more of a, a bias. I'd probably pick UConn right now, but that's just because. I've picked Purdue so many times. I feel like I get burned. So I don't, that's not very scientific. <laughs> All right. Well, last but not least on this discussion, give us a team or two that's just on the outside that you feel has a really good opportunity to climb into that top 10. The next time that we are going to be uh, discussing this when we get to conference play and, and knee deep in the season come January. Yeah. Um, two teams that, that could, depending on how things go, would be Gonzaga, uh, you know, and again, uh, I'm, we talk every week, every time I'm on, I'm a big Mark Few guy, but I think they're underperformed, but I definitely think they could, they could get in. And I think Florida Atlantic, I think both of those teams could, could make a case, particularly if, you know, we've got these, uh, you know, if Carolina loses again, I could see them on the way out. And then if, if, if Clemson or Oklahoma has, you know, kind of a bad loss, and, and then um, Gonzaga has, has a good win. You know, uh, they could make that argument, uh, particularly if, if it's over several games. So those would be the two, Florida Atlantic and Gonzaga, who I would look for. And both of them have been in the top ten at, at some point earlier this season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. And, and the team I would say don't fall for, don't, because their big name is, I don't think Kentucky is, is very good this year. I, I say very good. They're top 25, but they're not Kentucky of the past. So, you know, if they, if they get a couple of wins, I would be hesitant to, to automatically move them in because I don't think they've, they played Kentucky basketball this year. They were, they were struggling with AM commerce for a good while. And, and this yep. is not the same, you know, level of success that AM commerce and Kentucky have had all time. So that's something definitely to, to keep an eye on. All right, coach, thanks for the top 10. It's a good one. As always, we appreciate it, but it's time to play a little game. It's one of our favorites around here. In fact, we make sure we try to play it every week on the show. Coach, are you ready to play a little with it or quit it? I am ready. I I don't want to quit, quit it. I want to be with it. I want to be with the game. All right. Well, you're going to be with the game and you're going to be playing the game. It's going to be five questions. They might all have a common theme. I think you'll pick up on it pretty quick. So whenever coach is ready, we'll start with question number one. All right. I'm ready. Let's have it. All right. Here we go with question number one for coach trip and coach the best Christmas movie. We're in the holiday season. The yeah. best one that you watch every year, national lampoons Christmas vacation with it or quit it. Ooh, I do watch that every year. Uh, and, and at our house, we are big into Christmas movies. We watch tons of them. And um, that is, I would say that is definitely the first one we watch. And, and we watch it more than once. Um, best one. Ooh, that's so tough. I am going to say, I'm going to say with it because it is so traditional. There, there's others, that, you know, I, I love Elf. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I love Scrooge. But always start with um, with National Lampoon's uh, National Vacation. Sometimes watch it as early as Thanksgiving, watch it several times. Um, so I'll, I'll go with it just because it's so traditional and, and it's one that I, I start with. Absolutely. Well, that's one of my favorites. I always, I know Drew, Drew and I will, Drew is a big uh, Once Upon a Christmas fan. I think that's his favorite. Uh, but I figured, you know, we got you on here. 
want to see if you've got a different thought. You did. So Drew, Coach Tripp with it on the first question. We shift gears. We'll go question number two. Coach, keeping things on this side of it. The NFL has no business scheduling Christmas Day games unless Christmas occurs on a natural day that you'd expect NFL games to be on. With it or quit it. Like, you know, for instance, next year, Christmas is on a Wednesday. There should not be NFL games on Christmas Day next year compared to how it was a Sunday last year and Monday this year. Right. I am with that. You know, obviously, I, I would love to be able to, to sit around and, and, and watch football. But, I mean, Christmas is such a special time, and, and these these guys want to be with their families as well. So I think if it, if it falls on a Sunday, if it falls on a, um, you know, m- Monday, which I don't even know you would have Monday at that late in the season. But if it falls on a Sunday, go with it. That, that's part of the job. But if not, I, I would say uh, don't schedule that. Let these guys uh, go spend some time with their family now. You know, I know that I think the NBA does it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of wish they wouldn't. Um, but you know, that's not my call. But I would be, I would be with the NFL not. So I don't know how you phrased it, but I'm with them not scheduling it unless it's a natural Sunday. Yeah. So that you're just with it. That's basic. That was the question. Uh, this year it is on Monday, and there are three games. Believe it or not, oh, wow. uh, there's one on one prime time, one like early, and then it's it's basically like a a rinse and repeat of Thanksgiving. There's three games, right. one early, one afternoon, one late. So, Well, I'd be lying. In, I'd, even though I don't want them on there, I'd be lying if I said I won't watch them. <laughs> uh, well, I understand that, Coach. We'll move on and we'll do question number three for Coach Tripp here on With It or Quit It. All right, Coach. Ham is to Christmas what turkey is to Thanksgiving. With it or quit it? Huh. Okay, I'm gonna go with it, but I don't think it should be. Okay, but I, but I think it. I mean, I think it is very traditional, and and you, you even if you don't have it at your house, you see it in movies all the time. You know, we just watched um, uh, Christmas with the Cranks last night or the night before, which mm-hmm. based off of John Grisham skipping Christmas, and that was a big thing. Get the ham, get the ham, and um, you know, I know like sometimes at at our school district they'll they'll give us. Uh, uh, honey glazed spiral ham. So I would say it is certainly traditional. Uh, doesn't need to be. It's not really my favorite, uh, but sort of like the NFL on Sunday. If it's there, I'll eat it, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's not my favorite. Uh, I don't really know why it's so traditional, but I think it is. It is to Christmas as um, turkey is to Thanksgiving. All right. Well, this is very interesting. We've gotten three for three so far. Coach Tripp has been with them. All three times. We'll see if that trend continues as we move into question number four. Coach, you're talking about the NBA. They always play Christmas Day games. That's part of their traditions. Uh, And the best NBA matchup on Christmas Day this year is Celtics-Lakers. With it or quit it? Ooh, that's a great I can give you the full slate. We'll be talking about it next week on the show. But Mm -hmm. that has to be in – Maybe to some people, but do you agree with that sentiment? Um, well, it is kind of part of their tradition. I remember years ago, and, and Drew Drew might remember this. He's younger than I am, but I know he's a big Spurs and Tim Duncan fan. Um, not not really. I know he's not a Mavs fan, but I remember Tim Duncan was like, "Why?" Or no, it was David Robinson. Maybe why are we playing on Christmas? You know. So the thing is, it's part of their tradition, but I don't think it always was part of their tradition. I think it's probably within the last twenty years. I, I think. Um, so, 
Um, again, uh, we, we've gotten used to it. So, uh, again, I'll watch the games um, they're on. Um, I kind of wish they weren't, but I, I'll, I'll be with it just because I'm used to it. I think that's a great matchup. They do do, I think, a good job of usually putting on some primetime type games. So, um, and uh, so I'll go with that just because, like you said, it is something they've done a long time. And it, it isn't like the NFL where they're altering a normal schedule, you know, yeah. to, to – to get this captive audience NBA plays every day anyway. So, well, before you say with it, I'll give you the other matchups. I the bet this was the best matchup for this year's Christmas day. Okay. So before you say with it or quit it either way, uh, you start off with the Milwaukee bucks at the New York Knicks. Then you've got golden state at Denver. Then you get the Boston at the Lakers. Boston at LA is the kind of that late afternoon window. That is the marquee matchup. matchup. You got Philadelphia at Miami, and then the, the last game of the night, the prime, the the late game, if you will, is Dallas at Phoenix, Mavericks at Suns. So yeah. is the Celtics at Lakers the best matchup of those five? And if oh, it is, with it or quit it. Yes. It is the it is the I say the best matchup by far, I think, in that game. Right. So I'll be with awesome. it. Okay. Four for four. Was not expecting this, Coach. <laughs> You might have a chance to do something that doesn't get ha- doesn't happen around here too often. We'll see. We got question number five. Oh, here we go. With it or quit it for Coach Trip. I can't believe that this is the question I came up with because <laughs> I feel like this is going to be for sure a fiver for five. But Coach, the look on someone else's face while they unwrap your present to them is truly the best part of Christmas. With it or quit it. Ooh, you struggle um, with this one. I know it's so close because obviously that that mean you know you're making somebody else happy. Um, but then I think the, I guess it all ties into when the being with your family is is really you know you could go be be with your family and it's really not about the gifts. If you have children, if you have young children or or maybe your significant other, you know my wife, if, if I get her something and something uh, that look on her face yes but on the other hand like exchanging with siblings and stuff it's it's cool but it's really about being with them i think so uh, i mean i hate to do this but i'm gonna i'm gonna quit it i'm gonna say that for me it's just because i mean uh and probably drew will experience some of this like when you're away from your family a long time like and you get to see them you haven't seen them in a long time it's really about being with them you know and and telling stories and, and, you know, if you've, if you've lost someone, you know, reminiscing about them. So I say really that for, for me, that's the best part is, is the the memories and being with family and people you haven't seen. Um, uh, dang it. I, I certainly respect it. I, I, I didn't know that was going to be the one. Okay. <laughs> I didn't write it in any sort of way to get a response so it, it's all fair in the game of with it or quit it, but that's a that's a, a really great answer because I I you there's a lot of things that make the the holiday so great and and uh, and and that's to me is has always been one of them. But having you know here in the, the last couple of years I, I lost my granddad and so that's kind of been the biggest part of of not just you know for us get all getting together and 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 spending time and and everything like that, but you know, thinking back about who's not there that should be, you know, right. so I, I can definitely understand and relate to that. But well, coach, we made it through. This has been another exciting edition of 
the lowdown. Thanks so much for hopping on board and, and catching us up on what all has uh, occurred and uh, across the college side of things. And we'll be sure to be talking some more college hoops here pretty soon. In fact, uh, just at the start of 2024, we'll be back to, to get more college hoops from you. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. Had a great time. Have a have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas to you and, and Drew. Absolutely. You're not here, but Merry Christmas to, to him and his family as well. Yes, and we, we wish the same to you as well. Before we go, I want to make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. Go ahead and hit follow on the lowdown. And well, if you're on Apple, Spotify, those are the two most popular platforms. Why don't you Give us a five-star rating and leave us a review if you're on Apple. But whether you're on Apple or Spotify, you can give us a rating, and we hope we've earned a five-star rating from you. And don't forget, if you're over on YouTube, to like, subscribe, and comment to our videos here on The Lowdown. And, well, as I talked about earlier, next week, Drew and I will be back. We'll be talking the NBA Christmas Day slate. We probably are going to have to mention Draymond's, uh, well, foolishness uh, you would expect uh, he, he made another unfortunate decision i know that that's going to be something that'll be talked about plus hey there was uh you know the wnba draft lottery and well drew may have called what was uh in the cards for this year that's going to be a lot of fun he'll be back next week with us but until then this has been another edition of the lowdown sports show and we'll catch you next week